You're listening to the Floor Chronicles Radio Show number 44, and I am your host, Eric Render King Fisk. This time on the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, Doug Palumbo and I talk about the premiere episode of The Muppets, classic movies on streaming video services, and which service we think is better, and the future of on-demand in the next couple of years. We also talk ad nausea about what the phrase film noir really means to us, and if whether or not the label noir is used too loosely. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our Zazzle page. Coming this Friday, you'll be able to buy products created for fans of this specific podcast. We'll be featuring t-shirts, coffee mugs, beer glasses, shot glasses, and kitchen aprons with our new radio show logo. We also have various other items for you to enjoy as well. Keep an eye open for our Fedora Chronicles Air Militia products with our very own skull and wings. And you'll be able to wear that for Thanksgiving with the in-laws, your company Christmas party, or when you drop in to visit the parole officer. Finally, you can support the Fedora Chronicles radio show by clicking on our Amazon link. At last, here's Doug Plumbo and I venting about cable TV and video on demand. Before we get started, why don't you just give a quick review of the premiere episode of The Muppets and wrap it up by saying by by sharing with us why anybody should care about this show well i don't know if you should care at all but i think that if you're a fan of the muppet show from what was it the uh late 70s yeah uh, late late 70s early yeah late 70s early 80s it was fantastic it, i mean i don't know what it was like in the eyes of an adult because even as an adult now and i watch it the old Muppet show. Um, we have some of it on DVD. It, I still see it through, you know, eight-year-old Doug's eyes. You know, I don't see it through 42-year-old Doug's eyes. And so it's, it's hard for me to judge it as an adult in that respect. So I don't know how adults saw it back then. It was a great show for kids. At least I thought so. And it was just, it was, it was funny. And they had stars on that you never saw anywhere else at least you know i didn't as a kid like you never saw mark hamill on anything else but he was on the muppet show yeah and um it it was just a great variety it was like the best variety show that you could imagine for kids and it was funny it had muppets um and good stars and just a good time so that's what i went into it and this this new show is not that um I thought it was funny. I thought the the build up with the social media uh, ads and the commercials and everything, I thought it would be a little different. I'm not disappointed. I just thought it was going to be a little more uh, raw and hard hitting, sort of more adult. And it certainly had some adult moments, um, but it didn't quite have the the punch that the uh, that the promotional material had. Uh, maybe they're saving for future episodes, but. Um, they did have one joke that was like, you know, borderline, like, uh, not inappropriate, but borderline, you know, wow, this is the Muppet show. 
and it was a joke about um, uh, bears and not Fozzie Bear, but bears like um, gay burly men. <laughs> and, and it was really funny. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that kind of saved the show because it was, it was dragging a little bit. And, you know, the, the uh, premise is uh, Piggy has a uh, talk show. And, you know, instead of it being in the theater, like a variety show, like the original, this one is everybody works on Piggy's show. And um, Kermit is like the, the main guy. He's the star. Kermit's the the main uh, like director, and then all the ancillary characters do different jobs on the show. Um, you know, the band is, is there. Yep. Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. You know, they're there. <laughs> I still love. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Electric Electric Mayhem. That has got to be the best name for a band. Absolutely. So all the all the you know all the ones you remember um, are there. The two old guys and the um, in the uh in the you know in, in, in the, the in the in the balcony right uh, you know they're there everybody's there and uh and it had its moments yeah so overall I, I, I was happy with it it was different than i expected but i was happy with it and i'll definitely give it a uh you know give it several more weeks it's i think it's worth watching all right okay so speaking if you're a fan of the original you'll I... enjoy seeing them back again because i'm sorry I, I'm 42 years old, and it's still fun to watch the Muppets. Uh, I'm 46 years old, um, and I cannot tell you how much I hate Miss Piggy. Really? Why? Um, her character is too spot on. Miss Piggy reminds me of every um, unattractive chick who thinks that all the guys want her, but in fact, every guy wants nothing to do with her. And by unattractive, you don't necessarily mean um, physically, but no. mostly maybe because of her her attitude towards herself and others. She really has an. She has she has a really ugly personality. I, I I think that it's not that she's fat or she's overweight or the fact that she's a pig it has nothing to do with it. It's the fact that um, she's a pig and she thinks that. It, She's literally a pig, and everybody, and she seems to think that everybody is in love with her. When in fact, we can hardly tolerate her. And it's like I right. know, I know, I'm going to get into trouble for saying this, but there, there are some women out there who are extremely beautiful, and they don't know it, and they don't hold it over people. And then there are other women who are not classically attractive, the way you'd think of, like a Ingrid Bergman or an Audrey Hepburn. Um, but, uh, you know, they're still decent people. And the thing is, is that Miss Peggy just has an ugly personality. She's, she's, not, she's not somebody that I would want to spend five minutes having, uh, having cocktails or a cup of coffee with. Regardless of what she looks like. No, it does. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never been a, I mean, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, it's like, I mean, I definitely have a face for radio and I'm not one to, um, to disparage women because of their appearance. I'm just saying that, um, because the thing is, is like, um, if you have a, this sounds so cliche and so PC, but if you have a decent personality, um, looks can only get you so far. I would rather be with somebody who is um, cute but not beautiful and has an awesome personality. Personality goes a long way. I don't think that I could spend more than a couple of minutes with somebody like Jenny McCarthy. I think Jenny McCarthy does not have a personality 
that would mesh very well with mine. You're probably right. Yeah. What do you think of the rest of the Muppets, or is it just Miss Piggy? Um, there's something about Fozzie Bear. I sort of feel like Fozzie Bear is, I think he's the uh, most underrated character of them all. Um, I, I think that Fozzie Bear is the funniest. Is it as he wears a fedora? Uh, or a pork pie, but technically I guess that would be a fedora, right? <laughs> no, it, it's, uh, it's, it, the, the thing is, is that it's like if you look at Fozzie Bear, and it's like if you sort of wince and kind of squint, he, he kind of looks like he's, he's, a, he's a Muppet wearing um, a Doctor Who outfit with, with the hat and the, and the scarf or the bow or whatever. Okay. Um, no, I ju the thing is, I, ju I just think that Fozzie Bear was always the funniest and sort of like the, the most um, underrated. I, I think Kermit is definitely overrated. I, 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 I just don't think he's as funny as, as Fozzie Bear. But the thing is, Fozzie plays a perfect straight man. Absolutely. I think two of my favorites are um, uh, Dr. Bunsen, I think that's his name, and yep. Beaker. Yep. I love them. That They had a pretty um, funny skit where uh, the doctor uh, tases Beaker and, mm -hmm. he, and he makes a loud noise to get everybody's attention. <laughs> and, Kermit, and Kermit says, is that safe? And he goes, yeah, it's perfectly safe. I'm wearing safety uh, gloves. <laughs> man, man, poor Beaker's getting electrocuted. And, and he's getting electrocuted. So, you know, it's a funny show. I mean, I bet it is not the best example, but. Give it a give it a listen. I, I'm going to have to uh, check it out when it shows up on Hulu tomorrow morning. But it was just like now. This reminds me of the conversation that you and I have started several different times um, tonight, and because of audio visual technical problems, we have actually had to start this podcast over again twice. And we were actually talking about. Um, if you are a classic movie fan, how could you possibly survive without Turner Classic Movies uh, if you actually cut the cable like my wife and I have? And I think it's easy to do, um, especially nowadays with uh, you know Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon, and I'm sure there's other online services where you can get not only just classic movies or film noir, but anything comedies you know television shows i mean i think you can cut cable and be perfectly happy with um only getting your uh entertainment and you know that kind of entertainment online um we did it for a long time we basically had just whatever you could get off the antenna it came through the cable but it was you know only the you know 12 channels or whatever it was and because um, uh, we had the, you know, it came, the digital signal came through the, the uh, cable. And uh, we watched most of our, and we kept that only for like the local news. And yeah. we watched all of our entertainment really on Netflix and Amazon. And, you know, it wasn't the, the, the shows that we're on right now. Um, you know, th there's a lot of popular shows that have been, you know, much talked about over the last couple of years I've never seen. Um, but, you know, uh, I'll get to it eventually, I guess. But there was so much else on that I never bothered. Uh, you know, I watched so many more uh, documentaries and um, historical uh, pictures that 
it, you know, that I never would have watched had we had cable. Right. Um, and it, it's, I think it's easier now, more easier now than ever to uh, get your classic movie fixed. Well, I would have thought so as well. Um, and like you and I were talking about this before during the, what I consider the, the, the pre-show um, prep is we were looking at some of the services, starting with Netflix. And you click on, you go to Netflix and you click the browse button and you choose um, classic movies, like we had said before. And then when the window comes up and you get, the thing is, is like you get classic movies on the left-hand side and then you have the subgenres. I'm gonna pick film noir. The choices that you have are pretty limited because if you look, it says suggestions for you and it was just like, um, because everybody uses my um, account on Netflix, I get su suggestions for like really weird stuff. Like uh, one time I got a suggestion for some feng shui how-to video. And that's got to be because of my beautiful wife. That's got to be. Right. So, but well, if, go ahead. Like we talked about before, you can, you know, there are other, you can use your own profile. And like I said, you know, we have four profiles. I don't think my boys really use theirs too much. We use mainly the main family profile, but if I want to look at things like um, that they find at this point in time, you know, boring, like uh, a lot of the history stuff that I like to watch, mm -hmm. I'll go on my profile. That way, what I watch doesn't um, interfere with the main profile. And like, I don't see things like, you know, uh, that I don't like Phineas and Ferbert, you know, so I don't see like that kind of stuff, the kids stuff, you know, bleeding over into into my uh profile because it gets distracting exactly so this is, you I, have to have your watch what you want to watch on your own profile absolutely and you have to remind everybody in the in in the house look please switch to your own your own folder your own profile but anyway it's like if you're you're looking at the subgenres film noir and you have the suggestions for you and i think that there's maybe um 18 or 20 cho choices but if you go down and you click year, year released. And then the choices just seem to quadruple. And at this mm -hmm. point, you just scroll to the bottom. And this is the disappointing part. The bottom three on the list and, and three of the others um, are like genuine film noir. And everything else is what I consider um, neo-noir. Right. Whereas it's all, it's all color new noir it's not filmed during the late 40s early 50s black and white um but they're all still pretty dark films and i think that it was just like this is a case when i i don't think that they're using the the phrase film noir properly or just using the word noir properly granted these are all dark but film noir is an actual genre that it has to have certain beats for it to be film noir sure and the thing is, is that almost all of them have to have like an anti-hero. Somebody gets caught up in his own BS, tries to tries to um, tries to crawl out of whatever problems he's created, and eventually, sooner or later, it catches up with him for good or for ill. When did it become known as film noir? I like think in the '40s when they were making some of these movies or even earlier. Was it considered film noir then, or was that a term uh, that was uh, come up with later on? On the front page, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to reprint this on, I'll reprint the link on this 
podcasts page. You can do a search for Eddie Muller, and he actually does an entire article of when did they actually start calling film noir film noir. And that it's, a, it's an incredible must-read article. And he has a couple of points that I think is sort of like very necessary for classic movie fil- film fans to understand. Um, like, perfect example is The Maltese Falcon. Is it film noir or is it a murder mystery? Um, mm. Well, could it be both? Usually film noir has to deal with some kind of crime and the main character is some kind of a, a dark character, a criminal, or a good person who does something bad for very human reasons. And it's almost, it's universally black and white. I think that there's something about the way that it has, the way it's filmed, where it's like it's high contrast, but it leans more towards the, 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 the black rather than the white. Um, sure. And it was just like, it really sort of, it has to sort of deal with like true real human emotions that like, uh, they, they wouldn't even think about touching before World War II. Like, um, like the, like the pre-code days, whereas like you could do, have movies about anything and they didn't even bother to rate them G, P, G, R, X, whatever. And then it's like, then the... Then the, uh, the, the code period came where it's like they started to actually like clamp down on movies that had um, gratuitous sex and violence. And then World War II came right. along and then dropping of the Hiroshima bomb. And it's like things just like really sort of like started to get like a lot darker. And I think that one of the most famous um, film noir movies that I think everybody knows is Kiss Me Deadly, the Mike Hammer movie. Um, and it was just like, the thing is, is that the ending is sort of ambiguous and the MacGuffin in this is a suitcase, not with atomic secrets, but with some kind of atomic device that vaporizes Mm. anybody who opens the suitcase. And that trope has been used so many times in different movies, Pulp Fiction, Repo Man. Um, I can think of a couple others if you gave me more time. That's film, that's film noir, whereas it's like the ending the ending ha- it has to be sort of realistic or dark. Um, there, there's a neat bow. It just sort of that, that part of the story just ends and then the credits roll. Yeah. Something like that where it's like, um, like, uh, Tommy robs a bank because the thing is he has to, uh, uh get a cert pay for a surgery for his wife. And of course, so Tommy robs the bank and somebody gets killed, but he gets away with it. And his wife has the surgery and they begin to live happily ever after. But then things start to like sort of like catch up to, to, to Tommy. Like the thing is, is like somebody who was at the bank um, sees Tommy and Tommy sort of like freaks out. And Tommy follows this person home and Tommy has to kill this person. And then somebody else catches Tommy catching the witness from the bank and so on and so forth. The next thing you know, things get too tough for Tommy and then Tommy turns himself in. And then there's this, the police officer says, Tommy, didn't anybody ever tell you crime never pays? And then it's sort of like it, it that's the end of it. And it was just like it, 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 film noir really has to deal with like really, real true, genuine human emotions with real, true, genuine uh, people, not like necessarily like film heroes. Right. Because the thing is like, if you stop and think about it, um, Sam Spade in the Maltese Falcon, he's not a nice guy. Um, he's a her- heroic character because he's a bad guy 
on the good side. And he wants to save his own skin, kind of. So he is forced to be a quote-unquote good guy so he can not only help somebody else, but also help himself in the end. Exactly. And the thing is, is that it's like he turns in his girlfriend at the end. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. If you're a, a listener of the Fedora Chronicles radio show, when you haven't seen the Maltese Falcon yet, I, I think that you need to fix that ASAP. But the thing is, is that, I mean, he's very easily, Sam Spade could have easily have covered for his new girlfriend, um, um, Bridget, and they could have lived happily ever after. But the thing is, the fact of the matter is, is that it's like with all this hanging over him, sooner or later, it's going to come down to she's going to hold it over his head that he covered up his own partner's murder. And on top of that, yeah, your partner was also a, a, a dirt bag, but well, he was still your partner. And, and the thing is, is that you have to bring your partner's murderer to justice. Right. And that was, that's basically the entire theme of the ending of the Maltese Falcon. And it's like film noir always has to sort of deal with good people doing bad things for a, a, a human reason sure. or, or, or bad people doing good things, not for, um, virtuous reasons, but because it's just, the, it's just the right thing to do or they have to save their own skins or whatever. So it's like, so, go ahead. So the thing is, is just like, I'm looking at some of these and it's like the conversation, the conversation is definitely neo-noir. It's not, it's Gene Hackman movie where it's like he plays this guy who is, he's, he's, um, he's a peeping Tom with a microphone and he records a conversation. That's why the movie's called The Conversation and bad things happen. Bad things happen because he recorded this conversation and he, get, and he turned over the tapes to his boss. These people wind up killed and then he has to go about and figure out, well, what happened? Um, definitely film noir. And I think it's an, it's, it's an essential movie for classic movie fans. Chinatown. Chinatown is the perfect example of neo-noir because it, it, it's a period film. It has more to do with what people who lived in Hollywood thought of the 30s and 40s back in the, when the movie was made in the 70s. I know that sounds kind of convoluted. But no, it's I, like... I, I see what you're saying, sure. Every period film. Every period film, it's not, if I were to make a period film about the 30s or 40s, it wouldn't be an accurate film. It would be Eric's interpretation of the 1930s and 40s through the eyes of somebody making the movie in 2015. Pearl Harbor is another example. Pearl Harbor is not really about Pearl Harbor. It's what Michael Bay thought Pearl Harbor was about back in 2001. Um, and Chinatown is really more of a commentary of how the state of California started to fall apart in the 1930s. And they were starting to really sort of feel the effects in the seventies. And it's like, and if, if Chinatown is like one of those essential movies that you have to watch now, especially with the talk of all the drought that's going yeah, on, exactly. it, you have to, and the thing is, is that it was just like, you can't help but wonder, is the government manipulating the water supply for political reasons? Well, Eric, that's impossible. What what makes you say something like that? For another show, I think. I think that's time for another show. But it's like a lot of these things, Pulp Fiction. Um, uh, it's it's not the 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 story isn't what you see. It's the message 
in between the lines, so to speak. That I, I think it is. Is, is the real movie. Film noir, when it originally became a genre, was trying to tackle the hard, difficult feelings of living in a totally brand new age. And it's like Jackson Pollock was um, famous for saying that after dropping the first atomic bomb, you just couldn't go back to painting the way that people had been painting during the Renaissance. Everything had to change because it was like suddenly, bang, it's a brand new world. And the thing is, is that film noir really tried to capture the helplessness the, and the, just the genuine evil that was starting to sort of permeate like real life. And it was starting to spill into art. Whereas like, I mean, look, it, that's, that was a dark period. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whereas it's like, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is the war is over. The bad news is, is that we now have the cap- capability of destroying the entire world when and if there is a third world war. And film noir really tried to capture that, that dark feeling of like man's true um, true nature on, on, on earth and how you know how and, and here's the thing and also what's also important in film noir is that a good woman can turn a bad man around into a good man. A bad woman could take a good man and turn him evil. There's so many so many aspects of that in film noir. But the thing sure. is, is that but for here, real genuine film noir, you there's th- only like three or four examples of that on Netflix. Okay, so let's. Well, ba- I think they have to, uh, you know, like we were talking about before. I think it has a lot to do with maybe, uh, you know, certain certain genres are they see as more popular, so they get the licenses for those movies. Maybe as um, you know film noir and classic movie fans we need to you know hit up netflix and hulu and amazon uh some of these other services on social media emails or whatever and say listen we're interested we want more of these movies you know what can you do for us and i think that would go a long way because you know social media has the power that i think um is uh you know that motivates a lot of companies if enough people get behind it and you know i'm not saying that they don't think it's important as a um as a aspect of their service, but maybe we need to make our voices more heard so they can go. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get some more. Cause I'm, as you were talking, I'm, I was going through some of the selection on, on, on Netflix and uh, the classic movies are a little, um, you know, there's some good movies on there. Don't get me wrong. Some really good movies, but they're a little thin in terms of, um, you know, some of the older film noir classic movies you know and i think they could do a better job well the thing is if you wanted to pay a couple of dollars more a month somewhere between seven and ten or seven and twelve there's there's also hulu plus and hulu plus has a really a large category of classic films um and of course they they obviously have the the um the Citron Collection, and if I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sure somebody's going to give me a hard time. These are like really, for, they're really forgotten classics that have been um, taken, and a lot of them have been cleaned up, um, but they haven't been given the George Lucas Special Edition treatment. Really, all that that's happened is that they've just been cleaned up, r- restored back to their original luster, and you can watch, uh, I think, almost the entire Citron Collection 
um, uh, on Netflix. And there's and the thing is, it's like the original Solaris. On Hulu, you mean? On Hulu. On Hulu. Um, and it's like there's a, there's a lot of really sort of like risque movies like um, And God Created Woman. Um, like I said, Solaris. And it's like there's just, there's just so many more to choose from. And they're all like really sort of... Um, they really, they really are. Uh, what's what I'm looking at? There, they. There's also a lot of foreign movies, um, foreign classic movies that are on Hulu that you can't find on Netflix. And it was just like whenever like the budget is tight, and we're thinking, well, what are we going to cut? Are we? Uh, what service are we going to cut? Are we going to cut Netflix or are we going to cut Hulu? And unfortunately, uh, Hulu sometimes too often takes uh, takes the cut. But the thing is, is like if you want to watch foreign classic, foreign film noir, one place to go is Hulu. But now, in the, doing the research for this, I found out there's a service called um, WarnerArchive.com. Um, and the window I have open here, it's actually to the, um, it's the instant Warner Archive. And the thing is, is like every. Um, Everything that you could possibly imagine that um, Warner Brothers has ever done, they have on this this service. And the thing is, is that it's like I checked, and it's about eleven dollars a month. Now, this here, they have about maybe uh, maybe twenty genuine film noir. I mean, all of these look like. Um, they really fit my description of what film noir is. Well, even if you, you know, that's, I didn't even know this existed. This is really cool. I'm looking through it now. And I'm sure if, if, if Warner Brothers does this, I'm sure um, some of the other uh, movie and TV companies do this as well. And if they don't, I'm sure they'll be starting soon. But it's like, even if you do Hulu, Netflix, uh, Warner Brothers online, and um, one of these other ones, your total yep. is still going to be less than what you're paying for basic cable. Uh, you know, I like cable, and I know we're getting a little off subject. You know, there's a lot of good programming. There's a lot of crap, too. Yeah. And that's the reason why we got rid of it for such a long time was because we hardly watched it. You know, you're, you're watching a family, maybe collectively 10 channels, 15 yeah. at the most. And um, but you're paying for you know 150 or 200 channels, you know I have no problem with the Korean soap opera channel as a whole, but I don't want to pay for it because I don't watch it. But yet you're paying for the channels you're not even watching, and a lot of money you're paying. But with like Netflix or Hulu or one of these other services, you're paying you know maybe up to fifteen dollars a month. And yeah. you get an almost unlimited amount of programming. And you can watch it when you want, without commercials usually, and as often as you want. And I know with like Netflix and some of these other services, they they they, they rotate their, their, their stock regularly. So you are always getting something that you haven't seen before. Yeah. And Amazon, I just realized um, the other day, uh, with the with the update for their app for the Amazon Video app, um, if if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can now download 
you know, all the movies that you can watch streaming on their prime service, yeah. you can download to your device of choice and watch it whenever you want offline. So for free or not for free paying for the service, but for the cost of the service, yeah. which for Amazon, it's $79 a year or whatever it is. And now you can download and take those movies and TV shows with you and not be online yeah. and use up your data. I mean, that's if companies keep doing this, I buy cable. I mean, because it's, it's, it's not, you know, worth it anymore to be paying, like I said, $200 a month for, 80% of shows you don't watch or channels you don't watch. Here's something, and I suggested this when my wife and I first got uh, DirecTV. And I said, um, just offer offer an a la carte service. Whereas it's like, I mean, look, we I mean, we have the technology. Uh, uh, but they won't do it. They won't do it. I don't, I, I, I don't see cable companies doing that because they don't make their money. I don't know this for sure. I mean, this is my opinion. They don't make their money off of, you know, ABC, CBS, and all the channels that everybody watches, they make a lot of their money off of the channels that only a few people watch, but yeah. everybody pays for. Well, the thing is, is that um, the way it is with my, with my wife and I, we want one or two basic news services, um, or th if three, if you count BBC. I, I would like to get um, two American and maybe two foreign news services, and then that's it. And then, and then I want History Channel, Discovery Channel. Uh, does the Learning Channel still have educational stuff on it anymore, or is it all just the Duggars? And then get uh, Twitter. I don't, I don't, that's a good question, but, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Pay for a few channels that you want, but, again, I, it's, all, if you do it, it'll be because they're forced to do it because these other services are – taking viewers away offer me the a la carte service whereas like i only pay for the channels that i want and or you don't have me as a customer at all it's it's mm -hmm. that simple and they decided well we'd rather not have you a customer at all i would be more than happy to spend 20 or 30 dollars a month for cable or or satellite if it was only the channels that I think that are necessary to watch, I don't. I don't need the Korean soap opera channel like you just said. I don't. I don't. Um, I'm not a sports fan. I don't have the sports gene. Um, I have. I have no interest in in watching um, uh, television um, about uh, fishing. Fishing shows. I don't have any interest in watching it. But the thing is, like, if if I have. 250 channels and, and I'm going through all the channels I'm going to be watching a fishing show that catches my eye rather than getting the work done that I need to get done right. I, I would I would really rather pay 20 or 30 dollars for only the channels that I want they won't do that well and and I was so excited to find out that Turner Classic Movies has it's sort of like pseudo version of, of, of Netflix. And I was like, I was like really excited about this. And then you go to, you go to register, right? <laughs> and it's like, you're only moments away from watching the greatest movies on earth. And then before you sign in, you have to tell them your cable company or your satellite company. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have none of this. <laughs> 
I I have none of this. Oh, because oh, Dish isn't on the list. No, uh, we don't even have Dish anymore. But the thing is, is oh, that we well, get we yeah, get. That's the thing. I mean, at, see, that's what is you know I, I guess good if you have one of these basic services and it's part of your plan, then you can sign up for that and watch it. But like you, if you, if you don't have it anymore, what do you do? Yeah. They don't, they don't even have my cable company on here. So the thing is, and it's like, and I, and I, and I clicked and it says, um, even if you cannot access TMC now at this time, we still have amazing content for you to explore. Uh, clips and trailers. Turner Classic Movie Archive Image Gallery, the message boards, um, and the and the shop, and it was just like the thing is, is that the, okay? I, you know, I I would love to. I how, how much am I paying for Netflix, or how much am I paying for 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 Hulu? As as a fan who 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 burns for classic movies, cla classic action, mystery, thriller, film noir, black and white movies. I would not mind paying an extra $10 a month like I am for Netflix or Hulu for, for Turner Classic Movies. But the thing is, is that, uh, no, I'm shunned. And it was just like... I think it'll happen sooner than later, you know, because more, more and more people are starting to turn the way, you know, you and I are sort of going that you're, you know, you don't want to pay for what you don't want. Yeah. And the only way to do that is through these other services and... I think a lot of companies are starting to wise up that, well, they'd rather have some of your money than none of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they're offering so much, not even just the classic movies, they're offering original programming, Amazon, Netflix in particular, offering high quality, high end programming. Like, uh, you know, have you seen the uh, Netflix Daredevil? I've seen parts of it. It's like one of those things. It's unbelievable. It's, I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, it's really good. Well written, well acted. Um, I, I said it, and I've and I've read it elsewhere that it's 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 the best version of Batman I've ever seen. <laughs> Daredevil, because it's it's exactly what you want. It's dark and gritty and raw, and it's just really well done. Yeah. You would never see a Daredevil show on um, network television or you know, in the movies, but now that Netflix gave them a chance and the show, it exploded with popularity, you know, you're probably going to wind up seeing yeah. Daredevil in the Marvel universe, cinematic universe now. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I, I think, you know, cable companies should be worried because I think the, the, the end is near and within, I think within 10 years, television as we know it, up to this point is going to be vastly different. And I think it's mostly going to go to these niche subscription services where you pay five, 10 bucks a month and you get what you want. Yeah. And then everybody's, you know, uh, you know, happy. Exactly. Until the next new thing comes along. Well, no, I, I, I think that this is, this is the next big thing. Cause the thing is, is that it was just like, look, this is the future. This is the future that was sort of de depicted in our parents' sci science fiction. Um, and it was just like, okay, every, every, everything that you thought that 
is impossible, like streaming movies, like you pick and choose the movies that you want and you have an endless array. Well, you, there's no such thing as that. The, like, the, the storage to s save all that stuff would be just absolutely enormous. You would need like a computer bank about the size of the island of Manhattan with computer towers two miles tall to save all these movies. And it's like as, as the technology keeps getting better and better and processors get smaller and you can put more and more information on hard drives and whatever it was just like it's just an it's just inevitable that you mm -hmm. would want this and it was just like in it, it, now it was just like like the top 10 percent of things that people want to see is on the internet in some way shape or form now they're dropping it down just a little. Like, like, like now, now it's more like 15% of everything that everybody wants to see is on the Internet in some way, shape, or form. And the bar is slowly, slowly lowering to the point whereas it's like um, if you don't have a copy of the Maltese Falcon, you can stream it via Amazon Prime. Um, but then the thing is, is that there's going to come a time where it's like a people are like, but the thing is, is that the top twenty percent that you're talking about, that you can that you can stream. Well, I, I want more. I want more and more obscure stuff. Or it was just like I want more of the classics. And it was just like, and I was complaining. I think I I think I was complaining to my wife about this, and she says, "Look, all you want is just to watch other men running down the street catching bad guys wearing fedoras." And <laughs> what's your point? Yes, exactly. Speaking of that, uh, one one of the one of the reasons why I think I, I would if if I had to make a suggestion whether or not it was going to be WarnerArchive.com, Hulu, or Netflix, I think that is like I think that is like if you're if you are a classic movie fan and you're looking to cut the cable, I think that the the the, the best choice. As of tonight, I think it would have to be uh, Hulu.com, if only for the Citroen collection and some of the other movies. Because last night, my boys and I stayed up to watch Naked City. That's not what you think. Um, it's a crime drama. It's, but it's like, it's law and order before there was law and order. It's probably one of the most accurate crime dramas that you actually see the police walking the beat and doing the legwork before the time of the internet to find perpetrators of crimes mm. and then turn around to find out that it was like naked city was also mashed before it was mashed. It was one like one of those big hit TV shows that was once a movie that became a TV series. Mm. So, I mean, the thing is, I think that, I think that you should go with, uh, with Hulu plus and give that a try. If, if you haven't already, if you're a classic movie fan, and how much is Hulu a month? Do you know? Um, I think it's under twelve dollars. That's that's pretty amazing. It really is. Um, it, uh, the only thing is with, like, you know, for us, we we went back to cable only because Verizon gave us a stupid good deal. Yeah. Where we were paying, um, maybe ten dollars more a month. And what we were paying before with just the basic channels. Yeah. And we got a whole mess of new channels. Plus we got, we already had Netflix, but we got Netflix free for a year. Yep. 
And we also got HBO and Showtime both free for two years. Yeah. So it, in terms of watching movies, and that includes all of their, um, you know, on-demand stuff. So for us, we're always busy. When we sit down and watch a movie, our, we always – we have to look for movies two days in advance because there's so much content that, you know, it was, it was stupid of, for us not to do this. But I think when this contract runs out, we might go back to just the streaming services because unless they extend this offer, because, you know, the only thing that keeps us with, with, um, you know, terrestrial cable, so to speak is, uh, especially for my, my uh, oldest boy, but both of them, they, love to watch sports and that's not something that you can get on some streaming services i i, I know right. like espn might have some kind of thing that you can get but you know like local teams and stuff like football and baseball particularly for my oldest and soccer for my youngest it's you know it, it's hard to get those you know channels and you know it's just that's what's keeping us um yeah, if but, you, if you know, you're if you're, I'm, I'm I'm even sure you'll probably be able to get those, you know, soon like on a uh, like on an all sports streaming service where you can just, you know, ten bucks a month and get it. Yeah, I I think that some some entrepreneur some some kind of uh, um, Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs. Um, is going to have to come up with an idea saying, okay, I know that this is what people really want. Like, my next door neighbor is a huge Patriots fan. What if you were a service provider? Everything to do with the Patriots is going to be on this channel or it's going to be on this URL address. And for $50 a month for six months, you can watch. You can watch this. You can you can watch past games. You can watch um, the most the most recent game over and over again as much as you want. You can watch every interview. Y- you can watch Tom Brady taking care of a hangnail. Whatever. Fifty dollars a month for six months. The thing is, is that it's like we're sort of like seeing like everything was was getting to a point where it's like it was. We started out at a very narrow stream, and everything is sort of like funneling outwards. Whereas, as they were trying to cram as much content as they possibly could onto this on this on this copper cable, trying to cram as much information and data as they possibly could at us, somebody woke up and said, "Well, what if what, what if we just specialized the content? What if we made what if we made the funnel go the other way? Maybe we can provide a service." to sort of like filter everything down. And I think that that's what people want. I think people are willing to pay a premium to just filter down all the other crap. Exactly what they want. I think you're right. And it's not, it's not a dirty little thing anymore. Like where, Oh, that's just Netflix showing some, you know, crappy movies. They're showing high quality stuff. I was just looking at Amazon, you know, I haven't seen it, but their TV show transparent won five Emmys. Yeah. I mean, oh, you know, on this last Emmy telecast, I think it was on Sunday, um, this past Sunday. And, you know, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't a network show or a cable show. No. Online streaming service that yeah. won five Emmys. 
Yeah. That's 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 a message. And uh, you know, it's just gonna keep getting better and better. And the the more shows, you know, get this much attention, they're gonna start moving. They're they're given the freedom yeah. and the opportunity to do things. Like they do things on uh, Daredevil on Netflix that you could not get away with on network television. And not because, you know, it's not gratuitous, it's part of the story. The story is dirty and raw and gritty and they're able to, to show that part of the city and you wouldn't be able to get that, yeah, you know, that real nugget of story on any other, you know, network, you know, or even cable television for that matter. So, you know, they're, they're not just offering another service. They're upping the game and saying, we're offering you a service and we're giving you something you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And another, and yeah, go ahead. It's cheap. It's relatively cheap compared to cable. Cable, they're 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 pricing themselves out. You know. Another series that I think is going to take the world by storm, at least I hope it does, is the Man in the High Castle. Whereas mm. this like this looks like a diesel punk adventure, whereas it was like it takes an it plays in an alternative timeline, where um, uh, the Nazis won the World War, and we have to sort of like live with the consequences of that. And what service is this on? This is uh, another Amazon Prime TV show. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I think it's going to be the next Transparent. But here's another thing, though. It's like, if you're not interested in something like Transparent, you don't have to watch it. You know, and it's like for so long that there's been so many things. It's like like when we you had the three major networks, four if you count PBS. It's like, it's Friday night, 9 o'clock, what are you going to watch? You're going to watch... You're going to watch the Dukes of Hazards or whatever NBC and ABC had. Right. 10 o'clock, see, you know, what's what's on Friday night? Well, Dallas. But you know what the thing is, is that maybe that that was better because you can go out and you can actually have a life on a Friday night because there's nothing else on because there's only three networks, four if you count PBS. And it was like, you know, go out, socialize, get a life. Um, and now it's like, because my family, we love Doctor Who. But we don't have BBC America on the cable. We will actually, rather than buy, you know, pay to have the cable, we'll pay the $2 per episode to watch the show. Every show, every TV show should be like that. And you're still, if you have a, you know, a specific interest like that, you're still ahead of the game. You know, if you don't have cable and you're, you know, it might seem ridiculous to pay $2 an episode to watch a TV show, but... You know, how many episodes are in a season? 12. 13? 12. 12? 13, well, 13 if you count the Christmas special. Okay. Or $26. It's $26. 13 episodes. That's, you know, a tenth of what you'd pay if you had cable. You had a good cable package. That's half. So that's half. You the, do that. You yeah. buy Netflix. You have Hulu. You have Amazon. You're still saving 75%. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that we found out. You're not going to own cable, or you're not going to have cable, and you're not going to have Netflix and Hulu and all these other services. You're either going to have the cable service and maybe one Netflix, or you're going to have a Netflix, a Hulu, Amazon Prime, and go without cable and save so much money in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I think that the next, I think that what we, I, I hope what we see in the next couple of years is a lot of these more specialty services like um, 
um, uh, Warner Instant. I hope we start to see more of that. I hope that um, um, uh, 20th Century Fox and Universal does the same thing where it's just like they put their entire catalog online for you to watch. And it was just like they'll take some off and they'll put some on. And they'll, they, basically it's their own version of Netflix. I think, I think that we're going to see more of that in the next five or ten years. I think that studios would be crazy not to do that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I think there's uh, money to be had, and like I said before, I think it, I, I really think that uh, this is the beginning of the end of regular television as we know it, because it's just why would you know somebody like ABC or CBS or NBC, whomever, pay a lot of money, to go on, you know all these different, you know, uh, Time Warner Cable or DirecTV or whatever it is, they can just do it themselves. You know what I mean? They can still sell the advertising. If the show's good, it'll, 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 it'll make money. The only thing is a lot of these shows that are, you know, so-so, uh, you know, they're going to lose the advertising dollars off of those shows. But, yeah. you know, the... Amazon just got five Emmy nominations. I mean, if they make a good show, we'll watch it regardless. So I think it's the end for regular television, but there's, you know, there's, there's so many options now. Like we were saying before that it's, it's almost too much at times because it was an event to go to the movies. You met friends or whatever it was. It was, it was a production in a, in a good way of production. Yeah. Now that all these movies and TV shows are available at, at home, it's like, uh, I don't know if I enjoy it as much as I used to. It's nice to be able to have it at my fingertips, but going to the movies was more enjoyable because it was special. It's a little less special now. One of the best parts of going to the movies was the buildup. The thing is, yeah. is that you'd get in the car, you drive to the theater, and then you have to go th- walk through the parking lot, and then you go through the lobby. You've got to smell the, the, the movie theater popcorn. You get like you get a big Coke and you get a big, um, you, you get you get a big uh, um, popcorn. You sit down. You get you look for the perfect seat, or it's like if you know where the perfect seat is, you just go there immediately. You'll you'll watch the, the the trailers, and it was it was, and it was like if 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 you're going to go see a movie. Oh yeah, the trailers were the best part. You know now you can watch. I can put on my Apple TV at home and on my big screen. You know, LED TV watch all the trailers I want before you didn't get that. You had to go to the movies to see trailers. You had to go see, Oh crap. They're coming out with a new Indiana Jones movie. Ah, look at that. You know, this movie coming out, you didn't get that at home, you know? So that's why it was special. Yeah. But, and now they're playing commercials like TV commercials or long theatrical versions of the commercials before Mm -hmm. the movie starts. And <laughs> boy, that that cheeses me off. But oh yeah, I know what you mean. Anyway, anyway, um, this has been another great, fantastic hour for the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show with my special guest host Doug Palumbo. And um, Doug, what do you think uh, is going to be the topic for next week if we cannot get Michael French back on? Um, we'll have to discuss that. Maybe we'll uh, let's put the the uh, electric speakeasy in our social media outlets and uh we'll let how about we let the listeners decide hey i think that's a great idea and the thing is is that coming up in october 
we are not going to have um, a Halloween special. We're not going to have two Halloween specials. From what we're working on right now, we are actually working on four, count them, four Halloween specials. And one holiday uh, Halloween special in particular we are working on is the scariest sounds ever recorded. Doug and I and whatever guest comes on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, we are going to be playing the scariest sounds ever recorded, and then we will give you our analysis and take on each one of them. So if you know of a scary sound that you would like us to, to listen to and analyze, um, send us the link or send us the audio file. Um, send it to info at thefedorachronicles.com. And um, we will even read your name on the air if you so choose, if you send us a good link or a good audio file. We're also going to be talking about, um, we're going to actually going to divide this, uh, this other uh, topic into two separate shows. One show is going to be dedicated to uh, the scariest movies ever made, um, following up our conversation that we had earlier about Wes Craven and the other scariest movies we have ever seen. And then we are going to talk about the scariest television ever produced. And we are going to have a, uh, a very special conversation about a film that I, do, I don't think gets enough credit, Salem's Lot. I don't really think we need to discuss that very much, personally. You don't think we need to discuss that very much? <laughs> no, because that is the one, a little preview, that is the one um, movie, whether it's television theatrical movie it's the the one piece of media that probably disturbs me the most even today i i hear exactly what you're saying and i think that the for the uh final halloween special i think that what we're going to do is is that we are going to um do a reading of um the scariest um the scariest things readers have and listeners have ever experienced in real life. We are going to read your own personal scary stories here on the Fedora Chronicles radio show for our um, final Halloween special, and we're going to air that Tuesday or Wednesday before Halloween. So you have so stories in. Let us know what uh, your scary stories are, what you uh, want to tell us, and we'll make sure to uh, get it on the air. Absolutely. So, and you could submit your stories by reaching us at, obviously, of course, the Fedora Chronicles official forum, the Electric Speakeasy. That's the slash forum. You can also reach us on any one of our fan sites on Facebook. Just do a search on Facebook for the Fedora Chronicles and Twitter. You can also tweet us um, the beginning part of your scary story and a link to where we can find the rest of it. So, Get us your scary stories, the scariest things you have ever experienced in your own real personal life. And um, I, I, have, I have a couple. Um, I think the scare, one of the scariest things I ever had was um, I, I, was with this, I, I was with my girlfriend and I thought we were going to be together forever, but her husband had other ideas. <laughs> hey, other husbands tend to have that feeling as well, yes. Yeah, and I'm Doug, I'm sure that you have a couple of scary stories that you want to share as well. Well, we'll save that for that show. I don't want to waste too much now. Yeah, that, exactly. 
Well, anyway, Doug, thank you for another awesome show, and thanks for sticking with it through all the technical details and all the technical problems that we have. And um, thanks again. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug in it uh, before we sign off? No, I'd just like to say that, you know, thanks for listening. And uh, whether it's these Halloween specials or anything going on, uh, if it matters to you, it matters to us. So drop us a line, let us know, and we'll make sure to, uh, and, uh, you know, bring it up on the air. Absolutely. So we're going to sign off right here, right now. And uh, this has been my co-host, Doug Palumbo. And I'm your host, Eric Renner Kingfisk. And as always, keep your chin up and your fedora on.